Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Let's Watch podcast. I'm your host, James, with my co-host, Carolyn. That's me. And we are continuing our four-year consideration with Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Mm-hmm. And Carolyn's going to give us a synopsis of this movie. I will. So, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, directed by George C. Wolfe. During a recording session, tensions arise between Ma Rainey, her ambitious horn player, and the white management determined to control the uncontrollable Mother of Blues. Is that really what this movie is about? I mean, if you want to distill it down to one sentence, I, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, is, it is, I think there's missing a, a lot from that description. But yeah, I guess at the, at the bottom of it all, that is kind of the story. It's about the three kind of groups and their own personal ambitions and desires and agendas, um, goals. Also, is it really about Ma Rainey? Well, that's the thing. So Ma Rainey is the uh, titular character and is in 26 minutes of the film, apparently. Of a 90-minute film. Yes. But, I mean, in all 26 minutes, she's terrifying, powerful, sweaty, and glorious. Very so. sweaty. Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I agree with all that. I was just, when the movie's titled Ma Rainey, I was like, it's going to be about Ma Rainey. And it surprised me that it wasn't. Not that it was a bad thing. I have two questions for you. Yes. And the first one I'll start with is this is impossible to take, like, separate that this is Chadwick Boseman's last performance and that he is very thin for him Mm -hmm. or very slight. And I don't know when this, if that was a choice or if it was because of his illness. I mean, it could have been a bit of both. I think in the 50s, um, the 50s, what am I talking about? The 20s. This movie takes place in the 20s. That was a bit more of the regular body type, I would say. But also, he was undergoing ca- cancer treatments during this filming, um, unbeknownst to his fellow cast members and crew and that sort of thing. So yeah. it very much could have not been a choice. I think it made him and his performance all the more powerful. Like, I think he was better at it because it, it kind of hit close to home for him. Um, but also I think, I mean, it's you're right. It's impossible to separate the fact that we know this is his last film, but it makes moments even more heartbreaking. Like when he's talking about how there's there's no good God looking out for him and like and that sort of thing, it makes it yeah. incredibly heartbreaking. Yeah. And it, it's like, I don't, I don't know if I can actually like find a way to like really comment on the performance because he's really good in this. He but is really good. It's yeah. so hard to when he like when he's saying stuff like that, you're just like, man. And it like it takes you out of the movie, but it's impossible that it can't. And it's mm-hmm. not anybody's fault. Like it, this has just happened and it's the last time conceivably, the last time we'll see him on film. Mm-hmm. Unless he's filmed something secret for a Marvel film is the only other thing that could possibly exist. But it, it it's it like looms over this whole movie and especially considering the movie's mostly about him. And yeah. his character, it is really hard to, it was hard to separate for me, at least. Mm-hmm. Well, you're a big Chadwick fan, too. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's the same thing happened with the Five Bloods, where it's like, it, the Five Bloods was also weird, is that he's playing like a memory, essentially. Yeah, he's, he's, he's like passed away in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in this one, it's about a, a man angry with mm-hmm. his position in life and like as he that character explains his story like rightfully in some mm-hmm. ways and mm-hmm. about how 
there is nothing else. And I'm just like, okay, these last two performances are really just hitting both sides of this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And the second thing I wanted to ask you, which is uh, completely changing the subject, is should this have been a movie? Well, here's the thing. So before I realized that this whole film kind of takes place in mm, three rooms, um, when they were first in the first big scene where the band is all kind of chatting in the basement and everything, I was like, this feels like a play. Like, this is really weird. It feels like a play. Um, Idiot Carolyn. I looked it up. So something that's kind of interesting is this is um, produced by Denzel Washington. um, And it's one of a set of 10 plays by August Wilson um, called the Century Cycle Plays. And so he's going to be producing all 10, putting these stage productions on screen, the first one being Fences. Um, so yeah, it feels like a play cause it is a play. Yeah. And August Wilson's writing definitely deserves to be seen by as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. I just, and I understand the not wanting to mess with a, like a writer on the level of August Wilson's work and just mm-hmm. straight adapting it. And this, and I didn't know that either until. Like, I didn't know it was going to be a play until I watched it. And I was like, this is very playish. And then I was mm-hmm. like, oh, it's looked it up. And I'm like, oh, it's August Wilson. Of course. That yeah. made, made sense. But similar to my issues with Fences is that when you're adapting it to film, you should change it because you can't just put a play on film. It just, it, like, it will just, it will be better. That, that will be, that version of that story will be better told in theater than it will be on film. Well, that's the thing that I wrote down when I was thinking of this movie is like the acting in this is incredible, I would say pretty much across the board, but it did fall into the fences trap of like, yeah, should a play be put on film this way? Because it is all very, very talky in in like a great and snappy way that you would love to watch on stage. It's very catchy. But yeah, you're right. Like this is this is an actor's movie similar to Fences. Um, And I enjoyed it for the performances and stuff. Once I discovered midway through the movie that it genuinely was a play, I started enjoying it a lot more because I stopped waiting for something to happen. And I do like (laughs) theater. So I watched it like a play, a play that I was like sitting on the stage for, you know? Yeah. Um, But you're right. It does fall into that same trap. Yeah. And you could definitely tell by like how the character, even how the character is like a moving around in the space. It's very theater mm-hmm. is like it's like people like it happens all the time people like walk to a doorframe and then like lean against it and i'm like that's so theater and like you could almost feel them cheating out when it was like four of them around the piano it's like they're all leaning on it in a way that the audience can see them from the one direction you know yeah and i, I think like I, I i don't like i'm sure this would be great as a play and it would and like it is great as a play it's just that it's a little, it's a little underwhelming when mm-hmm. I realize, at least for me, when I realized that during the movie, and I just think it like, like the filmmaking wasn't that interesting because mm-hmm. they were shooting. It was like all very static, and with the exception of certain shots with Ma Rainey, mm-hmm. when they're just letting Viola cook, yeah, like go or and that's great, and like that stuff is good, and it's more like a, a movie, but the stuff downstairs was so, so like the camera was just so boring essentially for lack of a better term and I think like not taking away from all the performances down there they're all great mm-hmm. it's just it was whenever it went to Ma Rainey I just found the film more interesting yes and I think partly is because they weren't in just like a shuttered room basically but also the whole um bit at the beginning where we see Ma Rainey singing and everything like that um to my knowledge that's not in the play you don't meet her until like halfway through the play when she like appears at the studio um in the actual play oh 
So the reason all of that stuff feels a bit more filmmakery is because it is. <laughs> oh, okay. I had no idea. I mean, idea. actually, no. You know what? I think you, I think you first meet her in the actual play, and I could be wrong in this, but I think you meet her when she's outside and they're having that car accident uh, squabble. Yeah, that was a very bad scene in the film. Yeah, I didn't like it at all. Um, but it, that felt incredibly theater. Like it all did. of these. All these men making angry faces, standing in a perfect circle, just staring. And I was like, what the? And the cop, what was that cop's acting? What the fuck was that? I don't know. (laughs) But see, the thing is, I think the one thing that the movie benefited from in terms of being adapted from a play is scenes like where Chadwick was doing his monologue where he's talking about his mother. Um, Mm -hmm. I think if this were written straight for a movie, there wouldn't be a monologue that long. Because in writing a monologue that long for a movie, you'd be like, well, what do we do? What do we do with the camera? How do we keep it interesting? But he's so good and so, so good in that scene that, like, you can just throw the camera on him and make it a close-up shot of his face, and you're you're captured by it, absolutely captured. And uh, and I think, yeah, that scenes like that are because it was a play. Yes, and yeah, and I, I all I want when when I say when I, it should be like there needs to be changes when you adapt it. Don't change that stuff. Keep that yeah. because that's like the essence of the play in general. It's yeah. more of the editing and staging and like you can you can move if you can move stuff out of a room like with theater it kind of they kind of have to keep people in the same place because mm-hmm. sets are limited but with the movie they're not well exactly like show her in the jazz club at the beginning do stuff like that like <laughs> yeah and I, like this movie is a brisk 90 minutes but mm-hmm. it, it but you because i think that's just what they like the straight adaption allowed them to do but mm-hmm. you could also make a introduce ma rainey at the beginning with stuff that isn't in the play, but that is actually a part of this person's life. Well, because she's a fascinating person. I, it's interesting because I went back and forth on that. I was kind of like, I want to know more about Ma. But then at the same time, I was like, but I also don't. I like the I like the mystery. I like the um, subtleties of it. Like she's clearly in some sort of relationship with like her female cohort. She clearly <laughs> is very protective of her um, family nephew. as seen with the nephew and stuff, but we don't really know any more than that. So I did like the subtlety in that. But that said, I did look up Ma Rainey and I mean, she was, she was a very cool woman. She um, initially became kind of known um, via the rabbit foot minstrels, which um, I mean, it's a minstrel. So it had rather racist advertising, but essentially it's like <laughs> variety shows for white folks. Um, but then eventually she got picked up by Paramount and that's something they never tell us that this studio that she's in, it's Paramount. What? Yeah. And so she began touring for black and white, uh, audiences once she became a musician. But what's cool about her, and this is like, I kind of was like, okay, maybe Ma is like, you know, kind of using her power to sleep with whoever she wants, whatever. But it is actually way beyond that, that um, there there was kind of, I think her name is Bessie or something. There was a young singer, dancer person that she probably was dating in real life. And um, at one point, Ma Rainey got arrested because of like this orgy at her house that was all of oh. like female chorus women. <laughs> and, um, and a lot of her songs, of the ones that reference sexuality, most are of men, but some do reference women. Um, and kind of allude to lesbianism or bisexuality. And um, one of them is called Prove It On Me. And um, people have said that it's kind of a cultural precursor to the 1970s lesbian cultural movement. So this woman was like ahead of her time and really boundary pushing. 
mm-hmm. which is cool. Because when she was sitting there being like forceful and strong as a character, I was like, this is the 20s. Is this okay? Yeah. Like, I, I was worried. But I mean, the 20s was a really interesting like time of change as the Great Migration happened. So that was like a lot of um, black Americans were moving north from the south. Um, and there's a new sense of like liberty um, in like black urban communities. And that's when the Harlem Renaissance was happening, where it was like artistic expression, racial pride. Um, there's like new political organizations. The black folks were allowed to start voting and stuff. So the government had to start listening to them. So it really was a time for like a, a time of cultural cl- change, if you will. So I yeah. was like, okay, I guess it's the 20s. So it makes a little bit more sense. But it, I was also worried for her. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was as well until you kind of realized that, like, part, or I realized partway through the movie that nothing will happen to her mm-hmm. um, because she knows her value as an artist and is like, I'm going to, it, like, they better treat me the same as they treat everybody else. And if they don't, I'm going to make sure they fucking do. Mm-hmm. And, like, because, A, I deserve this and the people around me deserve this. Mm-hmm. And, like, I like once you realize that you like totally understand why she she is being the way she is to the executives and to her manager i guess because they are treating her like she's lesser and she's like you guys make so much fucking money off of me mm-hmm. the least you can do is treat me with these minor inconveniences in reality like she's like you know i want coke to drink why isn't it here like we like it it just felt like it, she's dealt with this all the time with yeah, these it's guys like, she, it's like why does she have to keep repeating herself you know yeah and she's like, they need me for my voice, so I won't give it to them until I get what I want. And she says this in the movie as well. She's like, they won't give me stuff that I want unless I like essentially do what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. I just have to do this. And she doesn't seem like she's happy about having to do it, but she's like resigned herself to it. Well, that's the thing. At first, I was kind of like, oh, is is like the the idea of like diva and like celebrities being like taking advantage of situations and stuff it, it could have fallen into the trap with that and at the beginning I was like oh no is she gonna be one of those but it's way way different knowing that she's this black queen of blues strong woman in the 20s because it isn't about that it is about race it is about minority because she's right they don't want her they want her voice and mm-hmm. they're using her so like she might as well get what she wants yeah. because they need her and so she's not a diva at all. She just knows her worth, is realizing that she can kind of, yeah, she can put her foot down and um, establish a sense of agency in a, in a place where, you know, the these white producers are usually the dominant ones. Yeah. It, yeah. And I, yeah, I, that's exactly it. And even, even now people should, like all artists should know their worth because mm-hmm. I mean, executives are just, they're using you specifically for your talent and that sort of stuff. But I, my main issue with this film is that I, I think the performances are wonderful across mm-hmm. the board, especially uh, Chadwick's. I do think Viola's doing a lot of capital A acting mm-hmm. um, at the beginning. And I'm like, oh boy. This- but it gets better once it settles into it. And once you realize like the nuance of her character. Because yes. yeah, that was when I was kind of like, oh no diva but but she's not i was like she's going for it and yeah. obviously has not been told to like maybe rein it in but then like as the care as the movie progresses it is way more subtle and nuanced mm-hmm. and a typical viola davis performance where you're like wow she's great she's so talented <laughs> she's that's so the thing. Talented. this is an actor's movie maybe not much more than that but that's no. okay you know yeah 
that's totally fine. And both of these actors deserve it. And they got Globe nominations out of it uh, recently as well. And definitely they'll both get Oscar nominations. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Viola should be in the best actress field. Mm. Because I do think she is a supporting character. Though she's very crucial to the plot and her 26 minutes is a, it's a big 26 minutes. Like for having started this conversation saying it's not really a movie about Ma Rainey, we just did spend an awful lot of time talking about Ma Rainey. (laughs) True, but she is not like, her character is not the one that changes. That is true. Which is, and I know this is like category manipulation all the time. Mm -hmm. It's just, and I don't think Viola will win either Mm way um because they'll be like we gave you one already uh mm-hmm. and it is it to me way more of chadwick boseman's movie a because mm-hmm. he gets the multiple monologues of him just speaking to camera and the big his character is the one who changes or goes through the change man that band did a whole lot of everything except their jobs in that basement like they're <laughs> arguing they're having sex they're killing people like yeah, well, they say at the time, like, we played these songs millions, thousands of times. We don't need to rehearse. Yeah. And, and then they just they just start, like, roasting each other. And, yeah. Uh, yes, eventually having sex, not with each other, uh, because three of those men are very old. But <laughs> Don't be ageist. Uh, no, it's not. It's the, um, they, those guys didn't really seem interested in it, unless, you know, whereas mm-hmm. Chadwick was quite thirsty. Mm-hmm. He was, he was, he was putting out feelers, and then yes, eventually murder. Which I was like, "Wow, we're going there." Yep. And then it, and it ends shortly after, which I think is the right place because it, it, the story is finished at that point. Well, and where could it, where could it go? <laughs> like, yeah, the the one, the, it's this movie like smacks you over the face with what it's trying to tell you, uh, mm-hmm. which is a little frustrating because have faith in your audience that they'll be able to under, understand it. Especially, like, with the, A, the ending, specifically, and the part where, like, he's trying to get through that door the whole time, and then he gets through, and then it's, like, a little cell way down deep, and you're like, oh, what could this mean? Hmm. Yeah. What's difficult about that is, like, um, the door is included in the original play, but he never actually busts through the door. He's just always trying to open this locked door, and it never works. Yeah, that's better. Mm-hmm. And then the... Uh, the scene that I absolutely hate so much is throughout the movie, uh, Chadwick Boseman is being like, I'm going to start my own band the whole time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm going to be the biggest star. I'm doing this new version of music. It's more dancey, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I've been writing these songs. And he's like, I'm giving them to the guy who runs the studio or the, yeah, the studio. And he's we're gonna produce he's gonna produce them and we're gonna make them and I'm gonna be a star. And then he goes through this, and then there's a scene where he's like, Hey, can we do this music after very shortly before the end of the movie? Uh, and the guy's like brushes him off and is like, No, 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 but I'll pay you five dollars for them. No, no, no. Like just essentially like totally just used him for the music. Yeah. And I understood at that point. It's like you understand even at like at the beginning when he's selling these songs, he's not actually going to get to perform them. Yeah. Uh, they're going to give them to white people to perform them. That's just like, I, I, I don't know. I assumed that. Mm-hmm. And then the movie ends with a fucking white band playing his music. And I was like, you don't need this. No, it's like, we know, we know, you know, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the purpose of that, but I mean, it, it, 
the thing is, it is something that was very common, and that band is based off of um, Paul Whiteman's orchestra or something like that. Yeah. And so he's like the self-dubbed king of jazz. Um, but of course, you know, was profiting off of the musical talents of um, black fe- black people, which I think is interesting. But yeah, it as as like a little like ender, it wasn't necessary, I think. Like you can tell in the conversation where they're on the stairs that he's like, I'll take the songs off your hands. I'll take the songs off your hands. Like if he just blew him off entirely, then you'd be like, okay, maybe the guy was just, you know, doesn't care for his music, whatever. But the fact that he's still buying them, you're like, okay, we know something shady is happening here and we know what it is. Yeah, exactly. And I just don't think the movie should end that way because we get that from the conversation and then it ends, I think, in a more impactful way with like the overhead shot of the murder. Mm-hmm. And then it, after that, it cuts to like these white guys singing his music. And it's like, but we knew that already. Like, we don't need this. It just frustrates me because it, it's just an unnecessary thing. It just feels like you don't believe that you've told the story well enough that yep. people will understand. Trust your audiences. Yeah. but And both of those, the actors in that scene where he's buying the songs are very good in conveying that. Mm-hmm. So it, it was just unnecessary to me. It doesn't take away that much from the movie because it is, albeit very minor, it's just frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All in all, did you enjoy the movie? I did, but I was disappointed mm-hmm. because I felt this movie could have been better than mm-hmm. it is and that the performances are so much better than the actual movie mm-hmm. itself. Like Chadwick and Viola are great. The script is great. The filmmaking lets it down. That's the thing. It really wasn't a movie in my mind. But in terms of like the story, um, the acting, I love the idea of people sitting in a in a room doing everything but rehearse and <laughs> you learn so much about them and everything. So I would say watch this movie, but go into it knowing you're watching a play. Don't expect a movie and you'll actually enjoy it a lot. Yeah, it's uh, it's perfect for millennials. People sitting in a room supposed to be doing work, not working. That's what exactly. we love. Exactly. <laughs> procrastination is our generation that's what mm-hmm. we do like, eh, do we have to <laughs> or can we just like sit around and goof mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. roast this poor old man's shoes mm-hmm. it will be nominated for actor and a- actress can it be nominated for adapted screenplay uh i would say it could yeah i think it should be there mm-hmm. uh if it the qualifies script is, is great as a play, but <laughs> yes, but if they don't change much, I don't think it can qualify. Then there are mm-hmm. weird rules about quali- like that I, I don't understand and don't really want to understand because mm-hmm. I have better use for my brain space. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't really think there is much else to take from uh, for the awards for this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think Chadwick is great, and he will certainly win. Yeah, and is deserving. But he is not, in my opinion, it is not the best performance by a man this year. What is? I think uh, in the one previous to this that we talked about is Riz Ahmed and Sound of Metal. I think Mm. that was the best performance. I would agree because it was uh, more subtle. I mean, that's not Chadwick's fault. This, a play doesn't lead itself to subtle. You're literally projecting to the back of the room. But uh, yes, I think Riz Ahmed was astounding. And I think Chadwick Boseman is also very good. Yeah, and I, 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 I'm totally fine with Chadwick Boseman win, winning because mm-hmm. he deserves it. Um, 
for his career and for this performance is deserving. It's not like I would just personally prefer that Riz Ahmed wins for Sound of Metal and that Chadwick Boseman wins in supporting for mm-hmm. the Five Bloods. Mm-hmm. And so they both get recognized, but it, that won't happen. Mm-hmm. So, but it's fine. And Viola has no chance of winning, um, even though, again, her performance is deserving of one. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. if she won, I wouldn't be like, oh, no. Yeah, you wouldn't be like, what? She was bad. No, she was great. Because she is also an actor on the level and talent of multiple Oscar winner that has been ignored for a long portion of her career. Oh, that's the thing. Is she, she will be a multiple Oscar winner. Yeah, she, her career is over. It, she damn well should be. Like mm-hmm. it probably it should have already happened. Frankly, yeah. she is on the level of Meryl and Denzel. Hundred percent. I think she's just well. She's definitely more personable than Denzel. Oh, especially these days. <laughs> Denzel just, Denzel just doesn't care anymore. No, he doesn't. He just wants to watch his son act. Okay. Yeah. That's where he gets his real joy. He's an old man who just wants to make August Wilson plays into movies. Actually, he wants to put his uh, son in the next one, the third August Wilson play that he's doing. He wants him and Samuel L. Jackson, and he wants Barry Jenkins to direct it. I mean, he'll probably get his way. Mm-hmm. I mean, Barry Jenkins has to finish with the second Lion King movie first. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, James here. Carolyn and I forgot to do the outro for this episode, so I'm going to just do that real quick here. If you want to follow Carolyn, you can find her at CarolynDunk93 on all things. If you want to follow me uh, on Twitter, it's James underscore Willix on Instagram at James Willix. And the podcast is available on all platforms. And you can send us an email at letswatchpod at gmail.com. So thank you for listening. Goodbye.